Hello, everybody, and welcome to the New Artist Spotlight podcast. I am Wilco Wilkes. I am Big OG, you know me, Origin Cross, and we are back again for another episode of the New Artist Spotlight podcast. Yeah, and uh, every week we uh, get some great guests on. Um, we learn stuff from them about how their career is going and uh, see if we can get some insight. Really excited. Um, to have uh, the guest on today who uh, I know me and Origin are both fans of his music. Um, so welcome to the show, Dominic Delaney. How are you doing, mate? Oh, I'm doing great, guys. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good, man. Yeah, yeah. living life. Nice so tell, tell us about yourself then. Yeah, so uh, I'm a singer-songwriter from um, a place called Lakeworth, Florida, um, here in the States. And I've been playing music under my own name again since about 2018. And... I do this thing where I count every show that I've played. Um, last night was show number 289, uh, which was pretty cool. Is that and it? And 289 is not really good. Right? Yeah, uh, the, the few years of a pandemic threw a wrench in that for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, bad. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, so it's been 289. Um, I had an album come out last year called The Marrow in My Bones, which um, was kind of my first full-length album. Um, and then uh, September 16th is when my second album for life comes out. And uh, yeah, I'm super stoked about it. Sweet. So a um, little backstory. I know it will go know that you might not know it, but uh, I think you were already booked on the show. But uh, I was looking for people that like, whose like music was like really, really good. So I'm going through the list and I'm like trying to pick my favorites. And I'm like, let me just listen to the Apple list. Um, so this, you and another guest that we have on someone, I'm like, okay, these guys are good. Like, we got to hurry up and get them on here. And I, I hit a vocal, like, yo, we got to get this person, this person, this person on here. And I gave them a list and like put like my top five on there and I'm like, get these people. And he's like, well, I think Dominic Delaney's already, already <laughs> booked. Like, okay, sweet, sweet, sweet. That's um, awesome. Cool. Yeah. That just worked out really great. Yeah, and um, obviously I'm a big fan of your music as well, man. Yeah, I remember listening through them. I was like, yeah, this guy's the best. I think I said you were the best on that list. It's good, man. You sound, you sound like a full band, but are you? Or is it all just you? So um, in the recordings, um, they're full band. Um, and with the first album I put out, The Marrow in My Bones, um, that was an album that we, we made in the middle of the lockdown era. And so for that album, it was a lot of, you know, Zoom calls and emails to produce it. And um, so with that, that one was put out by a label and I had, I had mixed feelings about it um, working with, with, a, you know, a label and, and kind of, it became a situation of too many cooks in the kitchen in the end. Um, but, you know, the album came out and it was a lot of session players that I never got a chance to meet. Uh, simply because, you know, we were all told to not leave our house. And um, so that album came out and uh, immediately I wanted to tour it, but touring wasn't really allowed yet. Um, and it started to come back a little bit and I put together a, a full band and we did a few shows and then we were told, no, you can't do that yet. Like, okay. Um, and so 
we went back into the house for another year. And um, that's when this second album um, was written. And um, <clears throat> I knew that I wanted to move away from the Zoom uh, production <clears throat> just because, you know, growing up, I'd always imagined creating a record, you know, sitting in a room with a bunch of your friends and, you know, just going over how 15 seconds of music is going to sound, you know, and thinking about that for three hours or something. Um, so this time around, that's what I was able to do. I had um, my buddy, Ricky Bobby, uh, who is the lead singer of a band called The Shake. He's actually also my drummer. He produced this album. And then we had a bass player by the name of Rocky Rucker play on the album as well and then i covered the lead and acoustic guitar parts but live we also have a, a lead player named billy doom um and yeah so we do have a band can i just um, ask are these uh, are these the real names of your band members yeah or? dude no, come on bro yeah billy's last name to be honest i have no idea so we just call him billy doom i have no idea what his last name is okay at this okay point. but let's go back to ricky yeah, Ricky, Ricky Bobby. Bobby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Isn't that's that Talladega same. Nights. Yeah. There's <laughs> like a whole song named after him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, Rocky Rucker is, is his real name as well. Uh, yeah, we it's a rock star we, name if I've ever heard that. We didn't believe him. We had to ask him to see his ID. And uh, it, sure enough, it says Rocky Rucker right on it. And so, yeah, I ended up with uh, not only the, the best musicians, but the best named musicians as well. True. I mean, that's like, I mean, we have Ed Eagle, so I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fake sounding real names going around, I guess. Yeah, I get asked every now and again if mine's a stage name, and it's not. It's uh, it's just what I was named. And, and whenever my dad kind of gives me uh, a little bit of hassle about doing this um, as a job, you know, I kind of tell him, like, you named me this, man. Like, you created this monster. It's all on you, pops. Yeah, exactly. So, um, when I listen to music, I kind of get the vibes of like, like when I was when I was younger, and I would listen, I would like watch movies on on cable, like on demand, and then like when they would go off, they'd always have like like soundtracks playing during the credit credits, and like I would like be playing air guitar like all over the floor, underneath the table, and like your music like brings me back to that like point in my life. So, like, what are your influences? What, like, where did you get that style from? Um, so there's an artist actually in the UK, uh, Wilco, um, named Frank Turner. And mm-hmm. uh, Frank has been a huge inspiration. I arguably talk about him too much. Um, we, one of the coolest things that I learned about Frank was, like, his DIY ethos. Um one of my favorite things he said was, if you want a tour, go book one. And that was revolutionary for me. I was like, oh my God, you could do that. Um, but his songwriting is is really, uh, you know, f- storytelling based and it's driven by the acoustic guitar, even though a lot of these arrangements have a punk rock feel. Um, so that was definitely high on my list as inspiration. Um, and then there's other bands uh, in the UK, there's a band called uh, Biffy Clyro. Biffy Clyro is a big um, influence on me. Uh, Frightened Rabbit from Scotland. Um, bands like the Menzingers. Kind of a, you know, just a background in punk, but lyrics were also always very important to me. Um, 
So that's kind of where I got that style. And we were actually just in Austin, Texas a couple weeks ago playing a show. And someone came up to me and was like, I love your guitar playing. And I kind of just was responding like, I'm just doing the best I can. Like, I really am not the most proficient guitar player. Um, but what I was told and something I'd never thought about was that I play my acoustic guitar like you would an electric guitar. Um, and I never really thought about it. Never since that person said that, I can't stop thinking about it because, you know, with your electric guitar, you could do a lot of palm muting to get like that, that low end sound out of it. And when I write these songs and very early on in my uh, career, I didn't have a band. So if I wanted that noise, I had to figure out how to do it myself. And that just kind of happened and blossomed into the style that I play now. So, I, and also like, I always get the question of like, what type of genre do you play? And it's, it's a hard question for me. I don't, cause I don't know. Um, so what I've got, what I've been going with for about a year now is I play campfire punk rock. So it's just punk rock just with an acoustic guitar. I like that one. I mean, I was, it sounded a little bit emo to me. Like it sort of reminded me of, um, yeah, like, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but there's, um, do you know a song called Keep On Bringing Me Down? Oh man, it like, sounds familiar. It's yeah. a good song anyway, but yeah, I was quite surprised when he said Frank Turner and, um, and Biffy Clyro, but, um, I can sort of hear that as well. And you've got a very distinctive voice as well. So I think, you don't need to worry too much about genre man you just keep doing you and um if you do loads of gigs and stuff like that then people will see you anyway um right and they, they can make their mind up um so that's cool man and yeah just before we actually got origin on the call we was talking to you and you were saying um i asked you what you do for a living and you said this like this is it yeah <laughs> so i like wanted to ask you about that and like how do you find it and you mentioned your dad giving you some kickback and stuff like that uh how do you balance it all and um yeah, you need yeah. to tell me about it. Well, first of all, I remember once telling my dad as a kid, I, I told him, um, you know, Dad, this is this is what I want to do. I want to be a singer. And I remember him going, yeah, maybe a background singer. So he wasn't necessarily, it's not that he wasn't supportive. Um, he was just kind of a very pessimistic realist. And... But these days, he got me a shirt that says world's okayest guitar player. And I think in his way, that is him showing me support. Um, so I'll take it. As far as doing this for a job, I mean, it took a long time to kind of find my place in that. Um, you know, at first, when I started playing shows again, I was actually working at an ice rink. I, uh, I grew up playing hockey. So I was coaching hockey. I was like driving the Zamboni and all that stuff. And um, it just became the type of thing that it had pretty bad management at that rink. And it turned what should have been a dream job into something I resented. Um, and I had to leave. And uh, it took a long time to even kind of be interested at all in hockey again after that. And but when I left, it was kind of like, uh, okay, well, this is it. Um, you know, it's now or never. And I was pretty aware of that right away and knew that, you know, if, if I was ever going to have a shot to do this, this was going to be it. And so that's when um, I put out my first EP by myself, which was uh, 
to date, it's the only actually just acoustic EP that I have out or any sort of recorded music that I have out. And um, from that, I was able to start getting booked on uh, some small shows, normally playing like 20 to 30 minute sets and starting to kind of create some sort of buzz and some sort of um, fan base. And from there, you know, I knew I always wanted to have full band um, production of the songs and we were right about to to get it all set up and then the pandemic happened and um at that time i was still having a day job uh, i worked at a dog facility where pretty much we just watched people's dogs during the day um which was great because it was an easy job i love dogs uh but i travel so much that it's not really fair to have one so i get to be like everybody else's dogs cool uncle but it, it after the pandemic you know i'd started to build these connections and through doing some different charity shows and and live stream shows and stuff over the pandemic i started to create connections where i was able to have a consistent um performance schedule and that was just the biggest thing was you know having at least enough shows to be able to say okay well i paid my bills with these shows now i can start and book the more adventurous shows the, the ones I'm going to take a chance on and stuff like that. So, um, you know, and it's not perfect. There's there's some months where it's like waiting for the phone to ring, you know, like, man, I need somebody to book me for this month or my phone's getting shut off, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, apart from, you know, shows is where I make the majority of my money. Um, but merch, merch is huge. Um, you know, I've got a couple of shirt designs. i got stickers. I do still sell CDs. Um, the The new album's going to come out on vinyl, which I'm really excited for. Um, but yeah, you know, as great as it is to do well on the streaming services, the fact is, you know, they just don't pay um, too much. And it's an ongoing battle. I think it'll probably be an ongoing battle for the foreseeable future. But um, I always preach to people, if you if you want to support an artist directly, buy their merch, just buy their merch, go to a show, tell your friends, tell your local promoter to bring them out, um, because that's how you can help these guys make a living and be able to continue to do more projects. I have like three questions. So Let's go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to like <laughs> make, it, make it. First of all, you're over 200 shows and, mm -hmm. and for a lot of artists, um, Getting booked for shows is one thing, but getting booked for shows is actually paying them is a whole nother thing. Yeah. So, well, one, how long have you been doing this? Mm -hmm. Two, what, where, since you do this, this is what, this is your job. Like, where are you hoping to take this? Like, how big are you trying to get? Like, what do you want to do with this? And, and three, like, how did you, get into the scene where it was profitable. Right. Just like you going and hoping that somebody notices you. Right. Um, well, firstly, so to to talk about, um, you know, how to get booked and how to get paying shows. Um, I'm pretty lucky that I was at a, at a lot of musicians here in my music community that kind of took me under their wing. And explained it to me because um, I did play a free, I played a couple free shows and someone kind of pulled me to the side and explained to me that um, 
if you're playing for free, you're hurting the economy for all of us. Um, and it's something that, you know, I've passed down to younger musicians now as I've seen them come in because um, if, if it's kind of like a community-wide agreement <laughs> that we're not playing for free, that we've all got stuff to pay, even if this isn't your full-time career, um, you are coming and you are providing a service you deserve to be paid. Um, and that's something that even I, I carry that mentality from musicians to vendors that come out to events and stuff like that. You know, if you are coming out and providing a service, you should be paid. Now, there are, I wouldn't say exceptions to the rule, but there's rare circumstances where, you know, there might be a touring band coming into town that you've always wanted to open up for. And to play that show, you have to sell a certain amount of tickets. Um, those types of things happen. Um, my biggest advice for that is to not overpromise what you can do. Uh, that's a big thing. A lot of people like to kind of puff their chest out and, and say what they can deliver. Um, and, and they can't, and that never looks good. And that helps your long, or that hurts your longevity as a, as this as a career. Um, you know, and if you can't sell the 50 dick tickets or whatever, um, you'll get there, but you're not going to be able to get there if you immediately say that you can do it and then you don't deliver on that. So, you know, that was the biggest thing. The biggest lessons for me were, were being told like, Hey, like we don't play for free. There's, you know, if it's a charity show, uh, a benefit show for something that that's important, you know, that's a little bit different, but as far as your, your standard Friday night um, in downtown, you know, you should be being paid, especially if you're playing for more than an hour. Um, getting into like a profitable position um, really didn't start until I um, started making merch. And merch helped, you know, because I was getting paid from the shows. Um, but then you have expenses, you know, you have your new guitar strings, you have to upgrade your gear because now you're playing in bigger places. Um, the gas to get places, which recently has been awful. So a lot of that still still costs money and you have to balance that out. Um, that's where personally like touring is great because you can kind of budget everything literally based on the miles, like from venue to venue, it's a thousand miles it's going to cost me this much to get there. Um, and that's how you can really budget a profitable tour. Um, but, you know, it's it's not always easy. And a lot of people think of like a rock and roll fantasy life of, um, you know, gold encrusted hotel rooms with ladies of the night coming by at all hours. And it's really not always that. I mean, I guess it might be for some people, but it's certainly not for me. Um, you know, as far as where I'd want to go, you know, from here, the dream was always to be able to pay my bills by playing music. Um, I remember on the very first DIY tour I did, um, we went all the way up uh, from Florida to Chicago and back. I think I did 18 dates on that. And I remember we were staying, someone had um, let us crash at their house that night and you know, they, they asked me, they're like, do you want to be famous? And to me, that's a very loaded question. Like, do I want to be on the cover of People magazine? No. 
Um, do I want paparazzi outside of my house? Absolutely not. You know, I'm a, I prefer my privacy, but, um, you know, I would, I just want to be able to support myself, support my family, uh, feed my cats, you know, that's the dream. And from there, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of traveling. I love history. Um, so touring is possibly one of my favorite things on the planet. Um, we've got a tour coming up for the new album that I'm extremely excited about. We're already planning some tours for next year as well. Um, and that that's kind of just the goal. And as far as like growth, I just I would like to keep growing in venue size. That's always cool, you know. But yeah, as far as like any sort of uh, fame, that doesn't necessarily interest me more and that goes back to longevity like i would i would much rather have the longevity of a slow burn artist than uh these quick flames that you know you see in the tabloids that answer always interests me when artists say like you know i want to be successful but i don't necessarily want to be famous um so you said you always want to be able to pay your bills right so i guess a weird way of asking the question is what kind of bills do you want to have right like right like, what do you, like, obviously, you know, the intrusiveness of fame be, mm-hmm. is, is a definite, like, con, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, to grow in venue size and mm-hmm. things like that is to be known by more people. Or, right. So, are you saying you want to be a, like, an opening or, like, a mid-card act for bigger artists? Or do you want to be the artist? Yeah, I'd like to, you know, I think everybody would like to eventually be the headliner, you know, Um, and, you know, going back to to Frank Turner for for a minute, like he, you know, his first few tours, he was opening up for bands alone, kind of how I was for a long time and and still am. And, you know, then he then he headlined Wembley, you know, and to me, like, I don't really consider Frank to be famous. I mean, of course he has that level of millions of people know about him and stuff, but it's never been that like um unregulated hype essentially. Um you know, there's never been that that feeling of um going to a Frank Turner show to appear cool. You know, you go because you love the music. And that's something I'd like to dodge. You know, I feel like there's a lot of people like especially down here in Florida, we've had some, I've seen it because I know some, I know most of the promoters down here and, you know, like I saw them, they were just booking people based off of their TikTok videos, you know, like it had nothing to do with the music. It had everything to do with their TikTok content. And I understand content is king. Um, And I get it and I get the mentality of it and the shows sell out. And that's, you know, in a promoter's world, that's what matters for me. You know, I would rather kind of continue on the track I'm on um, as opposed to that. So, you know, yeah, I would like to be a headliner one day. Um, but at the same time, I'm very comfortable anywhere on the slot. You know, if as long as I'm playing my show, I'm going to give it 100%. So that's what always matters at the end of the day. Yeah, that's awesome, <laughs> man. Yeah, you, you live in the dream in, in many ways. Um do you find like I've always thought about if if I went full time, um, and it's something I've been thinking about more recently because I've been starting to do like rap workshops with kids, and mm-hmm. then that that's sort of paying not too bad to be fair. Um, right, and I enjoy it more, um, mm-hmm. and I get more fulfillment out of it. Um, so, 
But the one thing that sort of I thought of is that it, you then you're going to be dictated, like what you do is going to be dictated by whether you can make money out of it. Do you find that at all? Do you find you having to worry about that and sort of like you you maybe have a bit less time for all your creative activities than you would like because you, you're sort of having to chase the where the money is? And also uh, another secondary question from me too. Uh, on your tours, like are you booking... Uh, is it is it are you working with a promoter who's like getting you into eight, 18 venues at a time or whatever or are you having to contact every venue and chase all these different shows etc yeah so um as far as the the time um you know expenditure um it is something that i've had to get better with i wasn't really great at keeping like a schedule of things um these days i'm a lot better about it i actually have two different calendar apps um, one for personal and one for work. And, you know, it's, it's great when you see those days starting to get filled up with shows and it is also, um, worrisome to some extent because, um, especially like, you know, like with tours. So say we're going on tour, we've got 14 shows lined up. I could fall tomorrow and break my elbow. And that's two weeks of pay I'm going to lose at minimum, you know, and that's something that, that I do think of quite a bit. I used to skateboard a lot and some of my friends kind of still try and get me out there. And I tell them I just can't afford to at this point in my life, you know, unless I'm bubble wrapped, I'm not coming to the skate park. And um, so, yeah, I mean, but I think it's important regardless of if you're in music or if you're, if you're working in any sort of uh, career field to, be able to take that time for yourself to, if it's songwriting, if it's painting, even if it's, if it's watching specific TV shows, you need to have that personal time um, in any aspect of life. So um, it's, it's not that it's changed, but it's definitely been more focused on um, that since I've been doing this. And, you know, I, um, I do like to kind of have those days where the phone goes off uh, the laptop's closed and like I'm just in my world and not bo not being bothered by anything and um, you know this these past couple of weeks with the album coming out and the tour coming up I haven't really had one of those um, but it's kind of it's a sacrifice that you make for these type of um, adventures and so as far as the tour um, no we didn't work with a promoter who was able to book the whole tour um, we've i me and the leader of the shake ricky who is my drummer um when we started planning this tour um i was kind of brought into it you know ricky knew how much i loved the tour and i was brought into it as the opening act for them um and i was excited i was like yes my album's coming out then like it'll be perfect um i'll see you guys in september when we leave and about maybe two or three months ago, Ricky kind of called me and was like, I need help like booking these shows. And I've booked my own tours before. Um, and I didn't want to step on anybody's toes being brought into the project when I was. So I wasn't going to just jump into booking shows. But when he asked me, I was ready. Um, I have a list in my phone of venues in cities across the country. Um, and that list is starting to now include Canada as well. Like it's just 
if I see a band that's at about my level and they're posting their flyer, I'm taking down the name of every single one of those venues. Um, and then it gets it, then it's the tedious bit of reaching out to all of them. And I think in that first day after Ricky asked me, I sent about a thousand emails and it was like that for about two months. Um, my Google storage hates me. Um, but it's, it's what needs, it's what needs to be done. And, um, that's where a lot of people, you know, think that touring is this impossible feat and it's really not. It just, it's all about your work ethic and how bad you want it be because at some, at, at an eventual point, it becomes a numbers game. You could email a thousand people and 999 will say no, or maybe not even respond. But if that one person says yes, you won. Like you won the game. Um, and so that's what we did. And we did it for 14 dates. And, you know, we're going to some states that, you know, I've never been to like um, in my own country. And that's, that's amazing to me. Like um, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever set foot in Washington, D.C., our capital you know, um, and, and we get to go play a, a punk show there. And that's awesome. So yeah, um, it would be great to have a promoter to be able to do all of that, but, um, it's tough. It's tough to find one that's, that's good. And that can get the, you know, the problem with tours is it's hard to get a guarantee, um, price if you've never been to a place and, and that's fair, fair enough. Um, so typically on some shows, you'll have to do door splits. Um, and door splits are great when you can sell the place out. Um, so that's where some of the tactics that we use when we're booking a tour like this, if we know we're doing a door split, we find a band in that local area that we know is, is, has a crowd pull. Um, and we book them as the headliner, essentially. Um, and so we book them, they pull out their crowd and then, uh, we're big, big believers and supporters of, uh, a music community that's welcoming, you know, cause I think it's a lot of fear for a lot of younger up and coming musicians is that like, they're scared to ask for favors and stuff like that. And, you know, we're all trying to, to be able to do this. So the way we see it is if you get us a show, or if you even play on a show with us in your state we owe you a show. So you come down to Florida, we'll put it together. Like we'll make it happen. Um, so that helps a lot with, with those door splits. Um, the other thing that we do to keep the tour profitable is we'll stretch out our guaranteed shows. So say if we have a, you know, we've got four shows that are door splits, but we got a fifth show that's a guarantee. Then we got another four that are door splits, but we got another fifth show that's a guarantee that way we can kind of budget the gas we can budget you know our lodging and stuff like that so um this tour is actually the first tour that i've ever done where we're not going to be in a van we're actually we actually got a sponsor for an rv which is really cool uh i don't think i've ever been allowed to step on an rv so um come wednesday will be the first time that i've ever been in one so i'm pretty excited for that too that's awesome and i think you just dropped the gym uh you said that even though it's your tour you don't have to headline all the shows yeah. bring out somebody that 
is big where you're going let them be the headliner mm-hmm. you get their crowd like yeah. i think for anybody who's ever thinking about booking a tour who's not done it before or even if you've done it and you didn't think of that like that is a big piece of information that is we need andres you need to cut that up and make that part uh a quick that is it's genius i've never thought of that um yeah. so we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to play one of your songs, but first I wanted to ask you about your uh, your experience with the Artist Spotlight and how you found the community since you've been a part of it. Yeah, I mean, New Artist Spotlight has been great to me um, from, you know, the first time I had a song on the playlist um, to to today when, um, you know, my album's coming out and, and people are pre-saving it and you know, sending me congratulations that it's coming out and stuff like that. Um, and it goes back to to saying, you know, one of the things that we that I'm interested in, that my band is interested in, that the Shake is interested in, is a supportive music community. Um, the price of admission is enthusiasm. And that's something that I, I found in New Artist Spotlight as well, is that this music community is welcoming and kind and supportive of each other and that's completely something i'm all for um you know i've been a member for probably close to a uh maybe maybe just a little more than six or seven months now and um you know i think that it's you know ed eagle puts he he created something magical here with this group of people because I think it's opened opportunities for so many of us and not even necessarily like, you know, relating to streams or anything like that. Like just opportunities of working with each other, collaborating, doing podcasts, you know, um, just so many different opportunities in such a supportive community that it's it's a really special thing. I agree more, mate. Yeah. Um, so Dominic, which of your songs would you like us to play today? Um, do you want to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, I think we'll actually go with an older song. This one is is what's actually on the Nas playlist uh, these days right now. It's a song called Broken Finger. And this song um, was one of the first ones I wrote for my Chubby EP. And uh, after this song, I kind of steered away for a little bit of the comedic writing. Um, and kind of, I was a little um arrogant you know i was like oh people are gonna put me into the same category as weird al if i keep making these comedy songs um but then i then i humbled myself a little bit and just kind of realized that i i'm a guy i enjoy being tongue-in-cheek a lot of the time i don't take many things seriously so um i've gone back to that a little bit not too much but here and there i don't mind having a song that's a little funny and uh, Broken Finger is a true story of, uh, at the time, I was still trying to make this a full-time thing, and I picked up a job at a metal factory and learned very quickly that I do not belong near power tools. Um, I broke my finger on the third day, um, and as I said, I do count my, my shows, and this happened show number 99, and I had show 100 scheduled. And I had to play it. So I I just kind of grabbed some tape and like taped the splint on the finger and played the show anyway. And 
that's how the song was born. And it's still requested these days, so I'm going to keep playing it. That's awesome, man. Do you want to do the, uh, the honors of introducing it? Uh, yeah, so this is my song Broken Finger on the new artist spotlight. Well, I can play my guitar with a broken finger And I know that that choice might make the pain linger More than it would if I was just a singer It's me and my guitar and my broken finger Me and my guitar and my broken finger Pain comes and goes, hurts after shows Hurts in the morning and wherever I go I don't like painkillers, right now that blows The doctor said to leave it alone But I said I could play my guitar with a broken finger And I know that that choice might make the pain linger More than it would if I was just a singer But it's me and my guitar and my broken finger Me and my guitar and my broken finger Right now I'm working as hard as I can but I'm pretty useless without my right hand If it looks like I'm giving you the bird, understand It's got its own mind, yeah, it's got its own plan But I can play my guitar with a broken finger And I know that that choice might make the pain linger More than it would if I was just a singer But it's me and my guitar my broken finger Me and my guitar And my broken finger My buddy Mitch Got me the job And I'm honestly lucky That my finger's not gone It was crushed by the weight of the world And mother-in-laws Well I think that it's time to move on A prescription for Jameson is all that I need If I had extra money, I'd get some fire-ass weed Well, thank you, my friends, for coming to see What my broken finger has done to me What my broken finger has done to me But I can play my guitar the broken finger And I know that that choice Might make the pain linger More than it would If I was just a singer But it's me and my guitar And my broken finger Me and my guitar And my Broken finger Sweet, thanks for letting us play that song Really good song, man Um so you do a lot of shows, you got a lot of shows already planned. Um, so tell us, you know, any good stories you got from any of your performances, anything entertaining or crazy that you've experienced? Oh man, I've got loads. We could be here for hours. Um, tell us I'll, one, maybe two. Yeah, yeah I'll trim it down to, to two good ones. Um, just recently, um, September 10th, uh, 
was the first time that I was able to to do a full band show again. And, um, you know, I had had a lineup uh, at the beginning of the year and towards the end of the whole lockdown era and stuff. And, um, you know, it was it was fun with that lineup. Life happens and, and my guitar and bass player decided to move on. So um, I was on the hunt for a new guitar and bass player. And I found a great bass player, Rocky Rocker, that we spoke of earlier. And, um, you know, he was he I've known him for years and he played on the album, the upcoming album. Um, and I knew that he had it. My drummer, Ricky, stayed the same. Um, but my guitar player, Billy. I, you know, we had had, we had scheduled our practices and stuff and, and he plays in quite a, a lot of bands and some things came up and he couldn't make one practice. So I was like, oh, all right, we'll get you next time. Um, so the second practice comes around and this is maybe a few days before the show. And, and he calls me, he's like, my wife, like, I got to go pick her up. I'm so sorry. Like, I can't make it to practice, um, but I'll be ready for the show. And I was just like, okay, man. Um, so long story short, I met the guy four hours before the show and was pretty much told, Hey, like come by my warehouse. Um, you know, and I'll show you the parts. I fully expected that I was going to have to show up, teach the guy, all the guitar parts, and then, um, hope the show went well. I showed up and he knew everything. He played through flawlessly. And even to some extent, he was like, yeah, this is played this way, but it's a lot easier if it's played this way. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. Um, and so then we went and we played the show three hours later and it went off uh, amazing. It was it was hands down one of my favorite shows I've ever played. And um, yeah, so that, that's, that was pretty much Billy Doom's audition for my band. And it was... It was amazing. He was so professional and the nicest guy. So that was awesome. Um, and then, you know, some of my uh, some of my other favorite stories, it's always the traveling shows because, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm an experience-based writer. A lot of my songs come from real experiences that I go through. And I feel like when you're on the road, there's so many experiences happening every single day. And so it just gives you more material to pick from one of the songs that we didn't get to record it proper um it's on the upcoming album but it's actually a live version that was recorded in new orleans at a show and um we were i was touring with the shake i was opening for them on a different tour and we had just we were supposed to play in this place called tarpon springs and uh so if if that last story was a good one this is the other side um we're playing in a place called Tarpon Springs at a place called Neptune Lounge. And the guy on the phone, the owner of the place was super excited for the show. He was, he wanted, you know, to meet us and all this stuff. And um, when we showed up to the venue, it was, it was like something in his head had switched and it was like, we met a different person and it was the same person that we spoke to. Um, it was to the point that we were in the alleyway during what should have been load-in time. And we called him, like, hey, man, we're here. We're ready to set up. And he said, yeah, 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 I'll be there in a minute. About 30 minutes later, he comes out um, just angry, just, like, angry at the world for being round. And, um, 
immediately was just asking us questions like how many people did you bring um we're like dude we're on tour like we've got like maybe nine people that followed us on this tour but we don't know um it was it was a pretty tense situation inside the room and he was kind of just making it more awkward and what kind of pushed everybody over the edge was he's standing at the bar and kind of threw his hands up and just goes what a waste of a night and we were all just standing there like this is this is awful like either we are gonna play this show this guy's definitely not gonna be happy he's definitely not gonna pay us um or we leave and this was like the first long tour that i had done with the shake and this was uh, a real team building moment is we kind of all looked at each other and you said, you know, like, screw this, like, let's go. We're, we don't, des- nobody deserves to be treated this way. Um, so we all agreed and we left. Um, now this did cause a bit of a problem for my mathematical thing of scheduling or of counting my shows because I have already scheduled show 300. And so show has to happen this night. So again, long story short, in 15 minutes, we walked around this city that none of us had ever been, found a venue that would let us play and had their own sound and ended up paying us. Um, And that was like, that was one of the biggest achievements that I think I've ever had. Um, Because even fast forwarding back to New Orleans, uh, we were driving 12 hours to get there. And when we were four hours out, we get an email that the show is canceled. And at first everyone's panicking and then we're like, wait, 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 wait. We booked the show in 15 minutes. We've got 15 hours, like we're fine. And sure enough, the same thing happened again in New Orleans too. So things will work out as long as you guys just keep your cool. That's great, man. Yeah, I love that. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice moral as well. Um, how do you actually go about getting fans to a gig that you're playing so like 1200 miles from home when where presumably a lot of not not a lot of people will know you in that city how do you go about getting people yeah. down it's it's um it's pretty tough there's you know there's some you can only rely on a promoter so much um and that's nothing against promoters like they are a necessary part of the music ecosystem so, you know luckily we've been pretty pretty well off with with the promoters that we work with um it goes back to having good local support um and and not always having them as the support you know if that local band is going to draw more than you are they're the headliner not you and um so there's that that's a great way to to kind of juke the system a little bit and um another thing is um Boots on the ground will always help when it comes to promoting a show and not from a promoter, but from like a fan or a friend. And that's where, you know, the more we tour, um, the more we'll announce dates and we get messages from people where they're like, oh, I have a sister in Philadelphia. You're going to be there. And it's like, great. Tell her to bring all of her friends, you know, because, you know, there have been times we've played to one person before or we've played to two people. Um, and we'll, again, we'll still give it a hundred percent, but it's, it's definitely better for everybody if there's more people. Um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of just an occupational hazard. You're going to run into shows like that. I definitely think the way to avoid that is always having good local support and then also, um, good venues, you know, 
like that venue I was just talking about, Neptune Lounge, he's so worried that how many people we're bringing because he knows his bar doesn't bring any people. You know, you're going to play places like that too. And it's just something that the more you do it, the more you learn. Like now, next time we book a Florida West Coast tour, Neptune Lounge isn't even on our radar. Like that guy's not worth our time of day. Um, we'd rather go to a city, maybe maybe one city north and play somewhere else, play somewhere that has some some buzz around it. Um, you know, because we had great local support for that show um, that would have brought people, but the owner kind of made that a situation where it wasn't doable. So, yeah, there it's it's definitely always an occupational hazard. And you, if you're going to do this for a living, you're going to play some shows to one person. You might play shows to the bar staff. It happens. Um, but I definitely, local support is always going to be huge. I was going to ask with that show that got canceled and then re rescheduled or just moved, I guess, were you guys able to kind of alert your fans that like change of plans were moving? Or yeah. did you just kind of, you are? Yeah, yeah, we were. Cause um, you know, at that time, because we were there when we were supposed to be. We were there for load-in, which was supposed to be an hour before doors opened at the at the venue. Um, with how long it took for the guy to just open the doors for us to bring our stuff in, it was about 30 minutes till doors, and our friends started to show up, and we're still loading stuff in, which, you know, even they kind of knew was out of the ordinary. Because um, typically they don't see us until they get in the venue. And... Um, they kind of knew that something was up and uh, unfortunately they were, they were present for a lot of the antics of this owner. And so they kind of saw us, you know, like we wanted to put the show on for them, especially since they came across the state for us, but um, we had to make a, we had to make a moral decision there. And I think I'm very proud with our decision that we all agreed that we're not playing here. We're not dealing with this guy. And I think they, they understood. Um, and then they saw how hard we worked to get that show in 15 minutes, you know, um, that's the quickest I've ever gotten the show. And, uh, so yeah, so that kind of rallied everybody. Everybody was extremely, uh, vivid that night. You know, we were all just kind of, um, buzzing over this like victory of like conquering the, you know, the crappy venue owner said, fine, you know, so yeah. But yeah, we definitely got to let them know and we ended up playing at a different place that that was just fantastic and had um, their own um, customer poll. You know, they had their own crowd that was coming and then they got treated to a free show because we didn't charge the door or anything. So um, yeah, it worked yeah, out. Yeah, that's awesome, man. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of lessons in there about resilience and... Um not giving up um so something else that you'll need uh, a lot of resilience for is the uh, new artist spotlight famous quick fire five um have you seen it before do you know the rules i don't <laughs> that's okay man um the rules are that you get no more than 15 seconds to answer each question so it's a quick fire five we're gonna give you some questions that might be tough but the time you'll be up against the clock so right. do you think you can handle it I think I got it. Okay. Well, let's try. Question one. What is your favorite song from the new artist spotlight playlists? 
Uh, gotta go with my boys, The Shake. They've got fire on there, and it's a great, great song. Question two, what song would you most likely play at your funeral? Um, there's a song by Frank Turner called Get Better, where the lyric is, we could get better because we're not dead yet. And I think that would be kind of funny. So I'll go with Get Better. That's awesome, man. Uh, question three, if you could pick any other artist on the planet's voice to have as your own voice, who would you pick? Um, probably Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro. He's got uh, just like this amazing range of scream and then melodic singing that, that I would absolutely kill to have. What is your favorite song of all time? Oh, man, that is a tough one. Uh, favorite song of all time. All right, 15 seconds. I'm going to go with I Am Disappeared by Frank Turner. Um, it's a song about touring. It's a song about having to leave home. Um, and something that I've I've had on my repeat for the past couple of years. So that'll probably be it. Awesome, man. And question five, if you could spend a day with any other NAS artist, who would you pick? Who would I pick? Probably Ed. Ed Eagle. I wanna I wanna hang out with him. He seems like a badass. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, you did pretty well there, man. You were one of the first uh contestants on the Quick Five Five for several weeks not to uh mess it up. So yes. congratulations, man. You haven't been banned. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll expect my trophy in the mail. <laughs> There's no trophy, mate. <laughs> Expectations in one hand, reality in the other. Something's got to win. <laughs> yeah, man, it has been good having you on, man. This was a really good conversation. Thanks for coming on. It's been some time yeah. with us. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me. And like I said, this whole community has just been so supportive. And, and uh, you know, it's always a blast to be able to chat about it with others. So thank you guys again so much for having me. You want to take the time, let everybody know where they can find you on socials and screen. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's just Dominic Delaney on uh, Spotify, Apple, Deezer. Uh, if it's on the internet, I'm on it. Um, Instagram, just Dominic Delaney. Facebook, Dominic Delaney. Uh, Twitter, Delaney Dominic, because when I was 10, I made it Dominic Delaney and then I forgot the password. Um, so and then i have my own website dominicdelaney.com um the new album comes out september 16th it's called for life it'll be everywhere um and it'll also be on vinyl soon enough so yeah that's awesome man uh well yeah thanks for coming um big thanks to everybody who's listening as well or watching uh or supporting new art spotlight in any way we appreciate you and uh, we'll see you all soon New, new, new artist spotlight pod